Hey friends, welcome back to the Preacher Chick Podcast. I can't wait for you to hear this conversation with my friend Sarah. Today we're talking about women in the Bible. So grab your Bible, a notebook and a pen, and your coffee, and let's talk. Thanks for doing this, Sarah, because I've wanted to, you were, I have a list of people that I want to do an episode with, and you... Or you and Luke were on that list, like from the get-go. And I've jotted down ideas of what we could talk about. But the other day when I texted you, it just hit me. It was like, it could be a really fun conversation um, to talk to Sarah about women in the Bible. Um, But before we jump into that, um, would you just share a little bit about your story and who you are? Yeah. So I am Sarah Shepard. Born and raised in Miami, Florida, come from a big Cuban family, Um, grew up there and made my way over to Madrid, Spain uh, once I graduated from college, Um, worked over at a bridal magazine for a while, but then God transitioned me over to working for the International Church of Madrid, Um, and that was probably one of the most amazing seasons of my life this far. Um, I really just had a front seat of being able to see some of the amazing things that God is doing in Spain um, and seeing firsthand just miracles and breakthrough um, and some really cool things happening just in the international church. And that is actually where I met my husband. Um, We met the day before Easter Sunday, get ready for our big um, production. We would do a big service at a theater um, just to kind of make it an outreach, get as many people as we could, as many Spaniards in the building, um, and really just preach the gospel. So it was awesome. Um, My husband proposed to me there, um, and then we got married in Miami, Florida, and then made our way over to the Midwest. So that was my intro to the Midwest. Uh, so it was it was it was funny for uh, for Miami girls coming over um, and and um, planting some roots here. So we first lived in Granite City, Illinois, for a year, and um, that is how you and I met, which I'm forever grateful for. Um, and then we made our way over to St. Louis, where we're currently at now. Um, We both work for the same company, Bayer Crop Science. Um, I work for their support team. I manage our team of product support agents, um, and we help our world farmers. And it's funny because somebody not coming from the world of agriculture, when I first started with Bayer, I knew nothing about ag, uh, nothing about, you know, what farmers really do. Um, I just thought it was, you know, a bunch of guys and gals that have like some plants and maybe a couple cows. Um, But really, I've been able to fully learn and understand this industry and um, all the hard work that our farmers do for us to get food to our table. So it's been an absolute pleasure um, and blessing for me being able to work in this industry. And uh, we are just thoroughly enjoying our season here um, and what God has planned for us. Um, and it's, it's, it's been great. It's just the two of us and our little dog latte, um, and we're, we're loving it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, that's exciting. Cause I mean, I've known Luke, uh, for a long time, for a long time. And so it was really exciting whenever, um, he brought you back and 
I think most of us say you're probably the best thing that's ever happened to us. <laughs> <laughs> love Luke. Love Luke. We yes. really love you too. <laughs> so like I said, I thought it would be a fun conversation to talk about um, like maybe our favorite women in the Bible or women in the Bible, because I think that um, our culture, our society really has a misunderstanding of God's view of women. And, um, and I think it would just be beneficial and helpful to put this out there that um, God used quite a few women in scripture and he didn't just use them behind the scenes, but like in major um, impactful roles for the nation of Israel um, and for the kingdom. So let's just kind of start that conversation. When I said that to you and made that suggestion, what, what did you think about the conversation idea? I love it because for me, something that I've always been passionate about and, and I find myself in it yet again in my career um, is, is the topic of leadership, the, the responsibility, the role of being a leader. Um, it, it's always been something that I have always been drawn to, passionate about learning more of, um, you know, strengthening that muscle so that when you are in that role and responsibility, um, you are a good leader. Mm-hmm. Um, one that I can say that, you know, the Lord would be proud of as I'm, you know, acting in that role. And when I look to the Bible, immediately, number one, I'm grateful that there are female leaders in the mm-hmm. Bible that I can look to and I can say, what are some, uh, some um, actions and, and things that these female leaders um, implemented, demonstrated during their time of reign, during their time of leadership? Um, and I love that. I think that God loves female leaders. I think he puts us, you know, in those positions because we are more than able, um, you know, the, the very famous verse, but one that I hold on to always is for such a time as this, you know, with, with Queen Esther, I, I fully believe that God enables us and empowers us as women to fully act out as leaders, whether it's in your home whether it's in your church, whether it's in your community, whether it's in your job, Mm -hmm. um, we are leaders and we are empowered to be able to play that role out in our lives. Yeah, totally agree. Totally agree. And couldn't said it, couldn't have said it better myself. So, um, when, when you think about women in the Bible, who stands out to you? I think two women that, that stand out to me always, um, especially like under the umbrella of leadership mm-hmm. is uh, Deborah and mm-hmm. Queen Esther. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Tell, uh, tell me about, let's, because maybe somebody's listening that doesn't know about either. Yeah. Um, that's crazy for you and I because of how we've grown up and whatever. But I mean, I don't ever want to assume that people don't know. So why don't we yeah. start with Deborah, who's also like my number one. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah. so I just preached yeah. a message on her a few weeks ago and man, it just stirs me up. So yeah. tell us about Deborah. Yeah. I, I think Deborah is such a unique character in the Bible because of her time, mm-hmm. uh, the time that she was the only female judge. Um, it wasn't common that that had never been seen before to think that um, she was even put in that position of authority um, was unheard of. And yet this woman um, that, that was holding this position of being a judge 
um, acted out in just such wisdom and compassion. Um, I mean, everything that you would look for in a good leader. Um, and, and I think that's just something that I've always admired because maybe sometimes we think, you know, well, what, what's the controversy here? Like, what did she do, you know, in comparison to the other male judges, you know, was, was she hasty? Was she emotional? Um, but on the contrary, the Bible says that she was, she was fabulous. I yeah. mean, in, in all aspects, just in her decision-making, um, in, in her discernment on, on leaning to the Lord on, on what, what plans she needed to carry out. And then, as I said, just being compassionate and having that concern for her people. And I think that's one thing that always strikes me because oftentimes we find in leadership that maybe that's lacking, that the leader really doesn't have full compassion or concern for their people. And that's huge. That's that's what being a leader is and making sure you're caring for those. Um, I, I just fully admire her and fully admire the fact that she was able to do all of that in in her era knowing that i'm the first one of my kind Mm -hmm. and she crushed it i mean i think one of my favorite things about even just her introduction on the scene um especially in those times where women would not have been mentioned first um women would have been mentioned in in light of their spouse or their family like their father um you just you wouldn't have seen her name, whoever her would be first. And when she comes on the scene, it immediately like, and I just opened my Bible because I wanted to make sure that I said it right. Love judges four verse four says Deborah, a prophetess. And then it says the wife of Lapida. It it doesn't say, you know, Deborah, who was the wife of Lapida. It says Deborah, a prophetess. Then it says the wife of Lapida. And, um, and she was leaving Israel. She held court under a tree that they named the palm of Deborah. Um, I mean, like she, she didn't, I mean, it was out there for her leadership was there and people came to her and part of me wonders, did she, and this isn't clear in scripture. So this is just pure speculation, but did she, did she meet under the tree um, out of like, she just enjoyed being outside or did she meet under the tree because so many people came to her for advice. It was easier to, right. to reach everyone in that kind of a setting outdoors where more could gather around, right. you know, and you just kind of right. can't help but wonder. Um, the other thing well, I, that makes me think, <clears throat> that makes me think of something when, cause again, going back to leadership, mm-hmm. you always hear about this open door concept. My door's always open yeah. and you almost wonder again in that time, yeah. was that her open door concept come to me? Yeah. I want you to know that I am present. I am here for you as your leader. Oh, that's a good one. I hadn't even thought of it from that perspective, but yeah, that's uh yeah, I really like that. I just, the other thing that I like about her is, um, like you already mentioned, you don't see any, an emotional woman, you know, and I use that in, yeah. in air quotes, you don't see someone yeah. who's irrational, but she's solid and she's steady. And when she speaks yeah. <clears throat> to Barack and she tells him, you know, I will go with you because I think too, like we need to give Barack credit in that, yeah. um, he, you know, he was obedient to the Lord and the I'll go, but also right. was he slightly doubtful or, you know, what, but he said, but I'll only go if you go with me. 
you know? And so obviously there was an element of trust and respect that he had for Deborah as well. Um, and, and I just love that. But when she says, sure, I will go with you. <laughs> I'll do that. Yeah. But you need to understand that, that there will be victory and it will not be credited to you. It will be credited to a woman. She, but yeah, what, what I think we miss oftentimes is she doesn't say it will be credited to me. She right. says it will be credited to a woman. So that takes me then. I was really hoping you would say Deborah because <laughs> I then <laughs> like one of my other it. favorites, and it's the and she is a part of this story, a part of this this moment in his in Israel's history. But is is Jael, who, you know, Deborah goes with Barack, and she doesn't even fight. She just goes. She's like the moral support. She's like right. you know the I'm going to go. I'm going to pray. Um, whatever, but she goes with him, but Sisera, who is the king that they're going to into battle with that man runs, you know, like Israel is winning that Sisera's men are falling. I mean, there's just so much about this story that just is like God all over every single part of it. Yeah. Um, But Sisera runs away and he runs and he hides in a house that you hear a brief mention of who the house belonged to, but then you hear all about Jael, the wife. And right. she right. was savage. <laughs> like, Jael, <laughs> I, seriously, I'm sorry, but Sarah, like what legit, what yeah. woman is going to just welcome a man? I mean, he was the king. Yeah. So there's that. Yeah. But she, he came in and he, you know, she makes him super comfortable. And I think right. some of the small details of this story are what are the most important because he says, I'm thirsty, give me water. water quenches the thirst, right? She doesn't give him water. She gives him milk. Like milk comforts, milk fills a belly. Um, I don't do this, but how many times have you heard somebody say that at night before they go to bed, they like to sip on milk, you know? And so she, she like lulled him into a false sense of security. (laughs) Yes. Yes. And then as he falls asleep thinking he's good, he's safe. Dude picks up a tent peg. Like, let's go back. You're thousands of years ago. You know, Jesus was on the scene a little over 2000 years ago. You're going back thousands of years before that. You know, a tent peg was probably like bigger than what our current railroad spike is. Right. Like wood spike. And she hammers it into his temple and pins his head to the ground. What? Kind of, I, when people tell me the Bible's boring, I'm like, then you ain't reading it. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) You know, because this is where they got Game of Thrones from. from. (laughs) (laughs) But these are women and these are women that are, that are a part intentionally a part of God's story, uh, you know, of, of his redemption and of his leadership and of his guidance for his people. Um, and it just, straight blows my mind. And so when Deborah said, I will go with you, but the credit will go to a woman, you know, she's, she was humble enough, even in that to say, you know, you're, you're going to win, but it will be at the hands of a woman. And why is that important? Because women weren't counted during that time. Correct. You know, women were considered less than the weaker. Doesn't sound a whole lot different from some of what we deal with today. Um, But yeah, they did it. You know, and I just think that's, yeah, uh, yeah I, I heard a quote um, a few months ago that was, if you want me, if you want, if you can't handle me at my judge's 
for you don't deserve my Proverbs 31. <laughs> I love it. Like, Why get that on a t-shirt? <laughs> that is good. I want that. That's good. Yeah, because you're either Deborah or Jael. If you're talking about judges, right, either right. way, you're pretty savage. So if you want my Proverbs yeah, 31, yeah. if you want me to take care of your home and your children and to yeah. be blessed then bro, right. you better be handled, able to handle me at my judges. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> Love it. That's so good. That's so good. <laughs> okay. So who else is on your list? Okay. So I have Esther on my list. Mm-hmm. And I feel that Esther, I mean, oh, the, the whole story, again, whoever's listening, if you haven't read the story of Esther, please do, because I think it's, again, we're talking about like the, the Bible and, and just the yeah. crazy stories that are in here, just from the beginning of, of Esther's story uh, with her cousin Mordecai and um, just all the trials and tribulations that she kind of goes through in her earlier years. And we get to the point here that um, she is now in the palace. For me, Esther was just kind of that sweet, innocent, you know, obedient young woman that didn't want to stir up a lot, mm-hmm. you know, just, just wanted to do the right thing. Um, you know, a family girl just, just, you know, was obedient to her cousin Mordecai and all of that, which are such great elements, such, such great characteristics for a person to have. But what's beautiful about the story of Esther is you see how the Lord worked in her. You actually see how he developed these other characteristics, these other strengths in her and really helped enable her to come into her own. Um, because my goodness, the, the decision, the weight of the decision that kind of fell into her lap of Esther, you could save your people here. Mm-hmm. You are in this position, again, going back to for such a time as this, mm-hmm. you are part of the the story here the work that god is is working out um and you either can choose to be a part of it or he'll find somebody else that's it and i think that yeah and i think that's where we really see her struggle as a human mm-hmm. in this ain't me this isn't my personality i'm not a a you know somebody that likes to ruffle feathers i'm not She might have even said that she didn't consider herself to be a courageous or brave person. Um, And that is where you truly see that she recognizes a, the opportunity, but B that this is her, her chance to be obedient to the Lord, her chance to follow his will that he set out for her. That includes her. Um, And boy, do we see just this huge pivot in in who she is Mm -hmm. um, and, and brings her into this point of leadership where all her, her previous qualities are still present, you know, because she, she's such a sweet person, mm-hmm. um, somebody that cares for people, cares for her people. But now you start to see this brave and courageous yeah. muscle kind of start to be flexed, um, which is just beautiful. And it just shows us that a leader doesn't mean that you have to be A, B, and C, you know, where we, we all carry these different qualities and unique giftings and skill sets. Um, I think the main thing is just listening to what the Lord has for you, listening to what the Lord wants you to be focusing on, to be prioritizing, to um, 
just listening, I think is the big thing, because oftentimes we're just trying to figure out what do I need to do to be a good leader? Do I need to be, you know, balancing this or focusing on this or sending this for just being close with the Lord, because who else is going to give us the, the next steps? Who else is going to give us the wisdom that we need to carry out some pretty hefty decisions? Yeah. To handle some difficult conflict. Um, and I think both Deborah and Esther showed that, that they were close to the Lord, that they had that discernment, that they were walking with him daily and, and listening. That I think that's huge. Well, yeah, because when Mordecai came to Esther and sent the note to her that, that hey, your yeah. right hand man has decreed yeah. that, that all of your people are going to be, to be murdered. And if you think because you're in the palace, you're immune to this, you need to begin. And, and she was honest. I don't think I can do that. If I go to the King unrequested, I could. And, and he kind of says, like you've already said, okay, but how do you know that this isn't the moment in time that you've been placed where you're at? And I think my favorite part about it is that she says, she doesn't say no. She doesn't say yes right away. So like you said, you see the humanity in her, but she says, call all of the people to fast and pray. Yes. You know, and I think right there is where you see that shift in, all right, then if I'm going to do this, I can only do this if I know you've got my back and if I know God goes before me. So let's start fasting and praying. And with free and a humble boldness, she approached the queen and I I think it's really powerful. And then you see the whole redemption of the whole thing in that Mordecai is then placed in the role that Haman had, his enemy. And all the only reason yes. Mordecai was his enemy was because he refused to kneel. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Such a wonderful well, story. And I, I love it because it shows the power of prayer. Because oftentimes when we're in these positions of leadership, we find ourselves naturally difficult moments. And I, I, I just dislike it when we say, well, I guess all we can do is pray. I mean, that should be our number one. Right. We, we should have been praying Not already. I do. mean, it, right, it is what we right. do. <laughs> it is what we do in, in all things as we're walking with the Lord, as we're leaning on him, as we're listening to him, you know, the, the minute any inkling of something comes out, you know, you're just in conversation. You're constantly praying for those things because mm-hmm. that, that's our belief. We know that the Lord is going to walk us through these difficult seasons. Yep. He's going to give us wisdom. Um, and and it, it's just, it shows that just how perfect she even knew. This is tough. This is going to be a tough decision for me, but I need you guys to pray for me as well. I need you all to fast um, because we're in this together. Yeah. Yeah. Um, man. There are just some um, really, really wonderful. <laughs> so yeah. As you're talking and, and we're, we're, we're sharing these, um, there are a few others that come to my mind. And it's, I'm not saying that they're like the ones I go to as, like with you, I, I'm Deborah. If I'm going to study, yeah. if I'm going to study a woman in scripture, there are a few right. that I'll study, but Deborah is one I could spend enormous time on. And I don't know if you've seen it or if anybody listening has seen it, but in right now media, uh, just in the last like two weeks, I think Bianca Altoff 
has, they've released a study from her on Deborah. And each video Ooh. session is only about, I don't know, maybe 10 to 15 minutes long. I did it all one morning okay. because it was just wow. so good. But it was so good, just her perspective and her thoughts on it, or, you know, on that passage of scripture on Deborah's story. Um, but what I thought was really cool was she, she, all of the lessons were done um, in front of uh, military weapons. <laughs> So like the first one wow. in a tank, like standing in yeah. front of sitting on top of a tank, you know, because Deborah wow. was a fierce warrior, yeah. you know, even though she didn't fight her willingness to be up front and to go forward, um, to, right. to say, I'll lead you in this, um, puts her in that, you know, kind of a, com a general commander kind of a role, but there are yeah. so many women throughout scripture and I think one of the things that's fascinating to me is, again, talking about in a time where women weren't necessarily counted or listed the same as men, yeah. there are five women in the genealogy of Jesus, you know? Wow. And I think the, one of the neatest um, names that you'll read in that genealogy is Rahab. Yes. You know, and because it, you can read about Rahab in the book of Joshua, she was not an Israelite. She was not what anyone would have considered a, a, a believer or a servant of God or anything like that. She was, she lived in Jericho. She was part of the, yeah. the Gentile, you know, if that's what you want to call it. Um, but, but she had heard the stories of what God had done for his people, leading them out of Egypt and through the desert. And there was an element of just hearing about the stories, not even hearing them from God's people themselves, just hearing talk about God's people created something in her that she trusted God. And yeah. she betrayed her own people um, to help the Israelites. You know, she hid, yeah. she hid Israelite scouts on her roof. Um, she protected okay. them. And in, in, in response to that protection, Israel didn't touch her family. And yeah. through Rahab, then you see down the line, she's a part of Jesus's story, you yeah. know? And I, I, that one just boggles my mind all the time. I love reading about Rahab. Not only, okay, let's just say it. Not only was she not an Israelite, but the woman, she was a prostitute, <laughs> you know? Right. Yes. Like, you're going to talk about somebody that you just can't imagine God using it would have yes, been amazing. yes, and yes. yet he used her in powerful ways that that helped the Israelites do what God had had told them to do, and that was to take the land that he had promised to them um, you know without Rahab, you can't help but wonder I mean God can do anything we know this um, but yeah. but would that would would that outcome have been um, let's say as smooth? as it yeah. was, if she hadn't stepped up and said, Hey, I've heard about what your God can do. And I want, I want in on your side. Yeah. You know? Well, and it shows us again, all these women that we're talking about willingness, all of them were willing to be used. Mm -hmm. It doesn't matter. And what I love is they weren't, I'm sure at the beginning, again, going back to that human side, there was the concern if you will or the 
um, this isn't normal in this time, you know, right. for me to make a bold move like this, for me to speak out, for me to help out. Um, I, I am more than, I'm going to say probably more than certain. It went through their mind, right? I, I would believe what are I would believe people so. going to say if I do this? Exactly. Exactly. But at the end of the day, it was their willingness to be used by the Lord. Yeah, exactly. Um, I'm going to share about another one that I just, this is where yeah. I went and I just go to this, this woman. Um, when people try to say Paul hated women, uh, Paul yeah. the apostle who wrote more than half of the new Testament. Um, and he, and he, Bring it. he is, listen, I know a lot of women don't like Paul. I think Paul is like our homeboy. <laughs> like, I, I love think Paul. He is he's, he's real. Yeah. Um, but he gets a bad rap because there are certain passages of scripture that he wrote that that if you only read the script that script that one scripture text and you didn't take his life into consideration and you didn't take yeah. all of the other words that he penned into consideration, it does come across that he doesn't. Uh, value women in the church and sure. positions. But you, I think if there's one thing we can say about the word of God is um, if you take one verse or part of one verse, and that's all you stand on, then you're severely taking it out of context and you're missing yeah. the whole thing. You have to be willing to take yeah. scripture in as a whole and not in part. And so if Paul didn't believe that women had a role to play that women could be in leadership, then why was he so closely attached, even somewhat taught by and encouraged by Priscilla? And yeah. Priscilla and her husband, Paul lived with them. They were, um, it said they, they had the same um, occupation. They were all tent, tent makers by trade. And um, yeah. that's a whole other thing that you could talk about, Paul, and you know, that he worked. You know, he, he didn't yeah. everything else. The man worked right. to do what God had right. to do. Um, but Priscilla, it, it, again, it lifts it. I think I'm looking to make sure. Oh no, it doesn't. Okay. It does list, list her husband first. So, and for, um, in Acts 18 that Paul left Athens, went to Corinth and there he met a Jew named Aquila and, um, he had recently yeah. come from Italy with his wife, Priscilla. Um, yep. They were all missionaries. Priscilla yep. is wise. And if you look and I can't remember exactly where it's at, but you look at, um, there's another passage. I think it's an Acts where Apollos, who was also would have been considered a missionary. Um, Paul even wrote, I plant Apollos waters, but God brought the growth. Apollos was another right. um, messenger of the gospel, but right. in excitement um, and to, to, to preach and to speak, um, Priscilla heard him and was like, Hey, listen, you're doing a great job, but there, there are some aspects of your teaching that, um, you just need to know a little bit more about Jesus. And she yeah. taught him and he yeah. submitted himself to that. And so once again, we see if, if God didn't use women, if God didn't value women, if, if the only reason God created woman was to be a helper, um, right. I, then, then how many of these, of these parts of God's history don't make sense? You know, so yeah. it, it's yeah. 100% true 
that God valued women, values women, calls women, and, and allows women to lead and to teach and to serve. And Priscilla yeah. just is one of those that stands out to me when, when you're thinking about that. Hands down. Um, well, and it's funny you brought up Priscilla. I thought of, as soon as you said, Paul, I think of Priscilla and I think of Phoebe also. Yes. Yes. The deacon. Because again, another female that he is, um, what is the word? Um, not condoning. He's giving his stamp of approval, if yeah. you will. Like, this is someone, this is someone that I support. This is somebody um, that, that I am behind. She is a helper, same yeah. as Priscilla. And I love that. It, again, it just shows. He yeah, there's, there's one more in the New Testament. Um, I mean, I think the obvious, and that's why I'm not saying her is Mary. Like, yeah, she's the obvious. Mary and yeah. Elizabeth, as far as that goes. Right. Um, their right. submission and their willingness to be used by the Lord. Um, but the other one, and I'm just looking it up in my Bible to make sure I've got the right, um, the right text. And of course I'm not, there it is. So also in, in the book of Acts in chapter 16 is Lydia. <clears throat> and yeah. Lydia, um, was the first convert of her family, but what it makes, I love what it makes certain to mention when we first see Lydia is that she was a um, dealer in purple cloth. And back then mm -hmm. purple cloth was, um, special because of how it was made. Um, I actually looked that up a right. few years ago because I was like, what is the big deal with purple cloth? I, th I think most of us equate purple with royalty, but what yeah. is the deal with purple cloth? And I looked it up, like, why was it such a big deal that Lydia was a dealer in purple cloth? It was because of the process it was made with. It was made by snails. It was a long yeah. process. And wow. um, yeah, but she was the first convert of her family and immediately welcomed the, the apostles into her home and basically became a, a, a house church and, and yeah. served in that and served the apostles. And, um, and I just, I, Scripture doesn't mention people by chance. Scripture doesn't mention yes. people um, just so that you're aware of who they are. There, there are intentional yes. reasons why certain why the people who are included in Scripture are included, and what we yes. can learn from them. And I just, I, I love it. You know, she. It says the Lord opened her heart to respond to Paul's message. When she and the members of her household were baptized, she invited us to her home. If you consider me a believer in the Lord, she said come stay at my house. And I love it. And she persuaded us. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so um, in other words, she was a leader. Yes. You know, yes. and I think that was really, really, really cool. So do you have any others that you might want to touch on before or anything else before we move on to what I always ask my guests? No, I, I love this. I think this is awesome. I love that we're able to just go back to the word and show how God views women, how he feels about women in leadership. Um, and, and as we kind of touched upon earlier, being able to go to them for 
for wisdom. You know, how did they do it? How did they handle themselves in this situation? How did they treat people? Um, what was their decision-making process? Well, they leaned on the Lord and they spent time with him. I mean, it, it's just a beautiful way for us to see um, how we as women can be leaders today as well. Because most of the stuff, like you said, that they were dealing with back then, pretty close to what we're still dealing with today um in 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 a in a different light but still we find ourselves in similar situations um and i love that i mean i listened to a podcast this week that was talking about pastors and i'm not all hung up on pronouns i'm really not but yeah but i think when you're <laughs> when you're talking about that kind of a thing and you're putting it out in such a public format for people to hear and you're referencing pastors in general and the only pronoun you use is he. Yeah. I think that's telling. And, yeah. um, and that's what was happening. And I'd like, and I don't know anything about the person speaking. So I, I immediately was like, okay, Stacy, you don't know them. So you don't know where they stand on that. So don't jump to any conclusions. Right. Um, right. But I, man, I just feel like it's so, if, if, if we want to make sure that everyone feels I don't want to say that word because feelings are so, you know, all over the place, but that yeah. everyone believes yeah. and sees that they have a place at the table, then you have to use yeah. words and invitations that show that. And Absolutely. Um, I just, even, you know, you know me, and I think you're the same way. Um, yeah. I, if you cut me, I'm probably going to bleed assemblies of God. Yeah. I, it's all yeah. Yeah. who I am. It's what I know. And I'm grateful right. for um, my yeah. heritage. I'm thankful for my assembly of God family, but, um, yeah. it's, it's very real. Even in our fellowship that from the get go has said, we believe that women are called the same to serve. Um, that yeah. here we are in, in 2020 and there are still yeah. people in our fellowship credential holding ministers in our fellowship that, that aren't fully behind that. And yeah. there are, there are boots on the ground, local churches made up of people yeah. who, who don't fully see that a woman can serve in a lead capacity, not, not only, um, in worship leading or children's church, but right. in a, right. in a lead, in a main platform and a main yeah. service capacity preaching the word. Um, I, it always makes me laugh that. Well, sure, women can serve, but they serve in children's church or in worship leading. And, <laughs> and I don't yeah. understand that because our children are, are, when you're putting them in Sunday school and children's church, you are, you are allowing whoever teaches that to help them yeah. help, help come alongside of your family to build their foundation of faith. I would, right. if you don't trust them to teach adults, why do you trust right. them to teach the children? Right. right. You know, and, that's yeah. always, that's always struck me as funny. Anyway. Yeah. Okay. leading your people into worship too. I mean, again, yeah. two, two of the most, in my opinion, the most important um, roles you can have in serving in the church, leading people into worship into the Lord's presence and helping to, to raise up the, these young children. Yeah. Um, yeah. I've said it a lot. I've said it a lot. And I've even told our board members in our church this, if we don't have a healthy children's ministry and a healthy worship ministry, we're not a healthy church. Yeah. Yeah. Those, because that, those are two things that 
the majority of people who are going to come in your doors are going to look at first your worship exactly. and your kids. And, and, it's, exactly. and that encompasses a lot of things, but um, right. yeah, I would agree with you on that. Okay. So because, you know, I, I started my blog and then subsequently this podcast in an effort yeah. to help people find um, community um, that's centered around faith and family. Um, I, there are just questions that I ask everybody because it helps us get to know one another. Um, and it, I think it helps people connect together in, in yes. community ways. So um, the first thing I want to ask you is I love pop culture. I'm probably an entertainment junkie. Um, I, I love movies. I love TV. Um, I love podcasts. So what right now are you currently watching, listening to, or reading? Okay. So watching the one show that I watch every night before I fall asleep is good old friends. That's just my show. (laughs) I mean, I will never thank God my husband, Luke, he, um, he's downloaded all the seasons for me. So I'll just, as soon as I'm done, start from the beginning, do it again. (laughs) So jealous. So jealous. Yeah, that is, there's, there's comfort in friends. Um, on Netflix right now. So I'm super excited. The crown is coming back this weekend. And this I weekend. love that show. I missed that. I, I'm, I'm pretty sure it's this weekend. It, it, I think I saw somewhere either 15 or 17, but it's coming back yes. probably by Monday. We'll have it. Oh, so I am so hyped. We get princess Diana this season. So I, it's going to be so stinking good. Yep. Oh man. Um, but it's funny, one thing, it's been on my list for a while, and this week, I said, you know, let me just start it. Um, I am not a huge sports junkie, but I do enjoy my sports, and my favorite is basketball. And fun fact, when I was living in Miami, um, I studied communications, and I thought I wanted to be a reporter. Well, one of my internships was with our local news station, Channel 7. And it was with the sports department. And that made me think for a minute, oh, maybe I could be a sports reporter. But it was a super cool season because not only did I get to go to all these sporting events and report on it, but that was the year that the Miami Heat were um, winning their back-to-back championships. And we had the big three. We had LeBron James, D-Wade, and Bosch. And I got to um, interview all of them. So that's always something that I'm always going to keep close to my heart because it's so cool. <laughs> it is. It is. And I love basketball. So all that to say, I've been watching The Last Dance on Netflix, which is the documentary about oh. Michael Jordan and the Bulls. Let me tell you, it's been super interesting. Just learning more about the Bulls history. Um, and then they'll highlight some of the big players. They'll do a spot on Scottie Pippen. Um, it's been super cool. So, so I've been watching that right now. Um, that's, and like, that's probably pretty much it as, as far as what I'm watching right now, as far as reading, um, in my Bible study group, we just started Ezra. Um, and then as far as personal reading, um, I am reading a book called Be Our Guest. It's written by some of the Walt Disney World, um, leaders Mm -hmm. and it basically tells 
how Disney does customer service. Mm -hmm. And if you've ever been to Disney World or Disneyland, um, you know that they have it down packed, bottled up, and it's called magic. And so I'm reading that because, number one, I manage the product support team, but we are providing customer support for our farmers. And that's just what, what drives us. We have to have a level of excellence with customer support. But that actually was recommended to me years ago by my dad um, because that is something that he wanted our leaders um, on staff at the church to be reading because you can totally use it in the church yeah. environment as well. So highly recommend it. Um, it's a great book. And then listening to, um, I am not the greatest with podcasts, even though it stinks because there's some great podcasts out there, um, especially one called The Preacher Chick. Oh but um <laughs> it can be music but, or an auto audio book or whatever yeah. it doesn't have to be you know yeah. this coming but i i think definitely the um the car is like the best way to like get yourself to, to put it on for me i find yeah but um but yeah and then probably listening i i do love watching a bunch of certain series so what um sermon series oh okay gotcha. so like Stephen Furtick from Elevation Blue Church with Rich Jr. and Dontree Wilkerson um those are those are kind of always my go-to okay cool 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 um what is your favorite scripture and your favorite worship song <laughs> okay this is a hard question I know it because is I can't I ever decide like, especially what is the word today? Song. <laughs> right. Yeah. Um, okay. So I'm going to give you two scriptures. Okay. I couldn't pick one. That's fine. So the two that I chose was Romans 8:28. We know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. My favorite. Um, yeah. Because for me, you know, everybody has their own favorite scripture. For me, I, I lean towards um, the affirmation that I get from the Lord, who I am in him, what my purpose is, what he's called me to do, and knowing that in all things, it's going to work out for, for the good, and, and he will never leave me nor forsake me. Th those are just always my truths that I stick towards. And so Romans 8.28 confirms that for me. Ephesians 2.10 confirms that for me. Um, more so because I also love the verbiage here for we are God's handiwork. Some, um, some translations will use masterpiece. And I just love the way that, um, that kind of is illustrated in my mind. Um, we are God's handiwork created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. Um, both of those verses just kind of, as I said, give me that affirmation of, of what I've been called to do, what I was created to do in Christ Jesus. That's good. What and then favorite worship song. Oh Lord. I know. <laughs> so first I was like, all right, should I, should I like show my old school AG side and like go with the classics? Like, <laughs> I posted this morning on Facebook. I know. So I started listening to Christmas music and I don't care what anybody says. I just I love it. Of, I just need a little bit of 
Christmas right in this very minute. And, and what I've been saying is that in a season of life that has taken almost everything that we anticipate away from us, the one thing that they, that can't be taken away is the anticipation of the coming of Jesus. And so Advent is so special to me. And so I'm just living in it right now. But, um, so the, the song that hit me this morning and I was weeping almost this morning yeah. is a yeah. song and it's not oh, even yeah. Christmas, but it's, um, mm-hmm. the King is coming. So yes. you go as old school as you want, because girl, I think I beat you. <laughs> I'm sure I beat you on that one today. <laughs> Well, anything from Brownsville Revival is probably good. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Um, I'm telling you, those those songs, I, I start singing them and, like, my husband, like, people he just look at me like, what are you? A white horse across <laughs> land. <laughs> oh, my God. I just, I, I love it. I love it. Uh-huh. Um but if I had to pick one, um, so here's how, here's how I, I picked this one because I said, okay, sir, what's, what's the one song that like you always end up humming when you're in Target and singing to yourself when you're like grocery shopping. And the one song always is Our God by Chris Tomlin. Mm-hmm. Our God is greater. Our God is stronger. God, you are high than any other. Mm-hmm. That is just, an easy song that just preaches who our God is. And, and then when you go into the bridge and, and we sing about, you know, if God is for us, then what can stand against? Mm -hmm. Um, It's just one of those simple songs that just kind of preaches truth. And I always end up singing it. I don't know why while I'm shopping. So I love it. Comfort and joy. That's, that's, so that's awesome. It does. Um, I, I have heard people say that they don't believe that God still speaks today, but I am of the firm belief that God is always speaking. The question is whether or not we're listening to him, but, but because we're all unique people, we're, we're all his unique children. I do believe that he speaks to each of us in ways that are, that are, um, I'm not going to say unique to us because some of that, like, we may both have a similar response, but the reason behind why he speaks to us that way could be different. But I, I just believe God speaks to us and it's not always yes, a yes. booming voice. Although I've heard some people say where they did have that voice that they literally froze and was like looking around because yeah. someone was in the room with them. But how does yes. God speak to you? I'm assuming you believe God still speaks. So hands down, hands down. I don't, I'm not going to say that um, with every decision, decision I make um I don't move without um hearing from him first Mm -hmm. you know like what I'm gonna eat for dinner or you know if I'm gonna go on vacation here but hands down firmly believe to my core when it comes to every big decision in my life um I wait until I hear from him Mm -hmm. and and I believe that he speaks to me in my conscious Mm -hmm. um but that also comes from me walking with him and I I just always what's helped me in my relationship with God is always having this, um, just envisioning me and him walking next to me. And when I speak to him, it's not, you know, at night in my bed, or I shouldn't say 
It's not only at night in my bed when I lay my head on my pillow and I start praying to him. It's constantly throughout the day. Um, you know, my husband will make fun of me sometimes because I'll be doing something and I'll forget and I'll say, Lord, what was that again? You know, why, why am I saying, Lord, what, what I'm, I'm talking to God. Like, Lord, what, what was I saying? Where did I put that? I mean, that is just how I, I, and, and I don't go around saying that, but that's just how I quietly live my life. Like, it's just me and the Lord and we're talking throughout the day. And, um, when it comes to those big moments, I know that he's been seeing everything from the moment that it kind of fell on my lap to the point that we're at now that it has, that it requires a big decision. So he's seen all of that with me. He's seen the stress. He's seen the tears. He's seen the struggle. And so that brings me comfort in knowing that he knows what is required of this decision, what it's going to lead to. Um, And it, it just always happens that I feel in my conscious, in, in my, my time of prayer, in my discernment with the Holy Spirit, just being able to make those decisions. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Okay. So the last question is, and I don't know how long I'm going to ask this question this way, but for now, yeah. we're still in the season. What do you yeah. know today about God that maybe you didn't know before COVID hit? Sure. So COVID has just been um, something that has just come in and wrecked and interrupted a whole lot of things. And the COVID season, you know, I I, kind of look back at it, um, March time for us. Um, The beginning of it was very dim and dark because my grandfather was actually taken away because of COVID. So the beginning of that season was very difficult and sad. However, the rest of the season, um, by the grace of God, was actually a good season for us. Um, Thankfully, we still have our jobs to this day. We were able to transition um, and work from home. Um, there wasn't a day that we lacked something, um, even though there was a point where we were down to like three rolls of toilet paper and I couldn't find toilet paper. But I mean, there wasn't a day that we lacked something. Um, so one thing, well, I'll probably say a few things, but without a doubt going through all of this, and now we are in the month of November, um, I look back and I say, I feel that I fully, fully um, an even better understanding now of God's peace because there just wasn't a moment for me. And I kept preaching that throughout the season too, because I know that a lot of people and they still do really just felt anxious and a lack of peace during all, during all of this. For me, um, in my household, I fully felt the peace of the Lord. Um, I, I just knew that we were going to be okay. I knew that he was going to sustain us come what may. Um, I, I knew that he was working in the background. Um, but this has just kind of shown me, um, you know, just, just how, how God works um, his providence. Mm-hmm. And a lot of times we kind of forget about that and things like this happen and that is when our, our human instincts kind of kick in and we say, Oh my, what's, what's going on? The world's coming to an end. 
you know, God, why are you allowing this, this? And it, the chaos kind of comes out of us. And I always kind of think of this illustration. My dad used to teach it. Um, it simply is just a sponge. And if you run a sponge underwater and soap and you squeeze it out, that pretty, you know, view of soapy, clean water comes out. But when you have a sponge and you kind of clean it up with a bunch of mud and all the dirty stuff that might be on your kitchen counters, you squeeze it and a whole bunch of brown stuff comes out. And for me, this season has just been, I can't control what's going on outside of my home. I can't control what's going on out there. All I can control is what's going on under my household and what's going on in here. Um, and understanding that the Lord is still in control. I don't care what is going on. I do care what's going on in this world, but I'm not going to be affected by it. It's not going to shatter or move my belief or my faith in that God is in control of all of this. Mm -hmm. He's still working in the background. Um, no matter if it's a pandemic that we haven't seen in, in, in years, and we never thought that this would even happen, but here we are, it happened. Mm -hmm. God is still in control. And I think it, it's just so crucial for believers for us to just keep that core strong and yeah. remembering that nothing can shake you. Again, going back to our God is greater. Our God is stronger. Our God is higher than any other. What can stand against? It's remembering those truths that we have and that we hold. Um, and, and all of this, all of this he is in, involved in. He holds it all in his hands. Um, that, that's just kind of been my, my lesson in it all this season and staying close to him and, and not being shaken by it. Amen. <laughs> uh, I love it. Um, thank you for sharing. Thank you for your time because we actually had scheduled to record this a few days ago and there was a thunderstorm yeah. and yeah. worried about losing power or thunder in the background <laughs> morning. I woke up, I don't know why, but I woke up super early this morning and I was sitting <laughs> in the living room doing my Bible reading and having coffee yeah. and thunder. And I looked over at Donnie yes. and said, you gotta be kidding me. <laughs> like <laughs> the whole reason we decided to reschedule, but praise the Lord. It's been raining here, but no thunder. So yeah. no, um, we're good. <laughs> but I'm so glad that you did this and I appreciate it. Maybe we'll have to come up with something else we can talk about and do it again. I think so. I love this. <laughs> I do too. So, this has been awesome. <laughs> well, thanks again for doing this. Isn't Sarah great? I just love her. I hope this made you or makes you want to pull out your Bible. If you have a favorite woman in scripture, let me know. Also, it would be a huge honor if you would take the time to rate and review the podcast. And don't forget to subscribe so you don't miss an episode. If you have a comment or a question for me, make sure you click on the link in the description. See you next time.